Well, good morning and welcome to Scottsdale Baptist Church. For those of you who may be guests with us, my name is Phil Ortigo. I serve as the senior pastor here at Scotts Hill. We are delighted to have you join with us this morning as we complete our last Lord's Day of 2019. And those of you who may be watching us online as we're streaming, we're so glad that you're able to join us today as we continue to worship together. I know that there are a lot of churches in the area that have made decisions not to meet together today corporately. We're glad that we have the opportunity to do so, and we're glad anybody that does not have a fellowship to meet with today, join with us. We are glad to have you here. Well, we are four days removed from the greatest celebration that we have this time of the year. And of course, that's four days removed from Christmas season. And now that we are finished with Christmas, so to speak, with our holidays and our calendar, all that comes now is the aftermath of having gone through Christmas. And a lot of people have dealing with what do we do now after Christmas? Now, if you're like everybody else, you are in the regular routines of after Christmas. There are a lot of things that we have anticipated this day, and now that it's over, it's behind us, now the cleanup comes, doesn't it? Now, a lot of you have already discarded your Christmas trees. Some of you are waiting until after New Year's to do that. You've spent hours, you've spent a lot amount of time decorating those trees with careful planning, the right placement of it in your house. Now that Christmas is over, you're taking those trees down. The ones who have live trees, how many of you have live trees every year? How many of you enjoy the cleanup of removing a live tree from your home? Only one person, because his wife does it. So, <laughs> so... So what do we do? We discard these trees. We bring them out to the road as an offering to overworked sanitation workers during this time of the year. So the Christmas trees are down. The ornaments are carefully packed back into their boxes and they're stored into the attic, right? The Christmas lights come down. All the decor of the home is taken down. They're packed away until next year. Our Spotify list for Christmas is no longer useful, so we discard our Spotify Christmas songs, and we set them apart for another year. Our Christmas china's put away. All the, the other trappings of Christmas are gone. Presents are now possessions. All of the wrapping paper that you carefully tried to disguise the gift behind now is in the garbage can and at the dump. We see that all the food that we so carefully planned for Christmas has been consumed in the last four days. And what hasn't, we have discarded it and now have thrown it out. The, the eggnog now is on sale at half price. <laughs> Fruit cakes are the same. They can last all year, every year. No expiration date on those things. And all of these things of Christmas now have put us into a place where we've almost grown weary of Christmas. Now we're in the aftermath of it. One person cleverly took the birth narrative of Jesus in Luke's gospel and rewrote it this way. See if this doesn't sound relevant to us. And there were in the same country children keeping watch over their stockings by the fireplace. And lo, Santa Claus came upon them, and they were so afraid and Santa said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of a great joy, which shall be to all the people who can afford them. 
For unto you will be given great feast of turkey, dressing and cake, and many presents. And this will be a sign unto you. You shall find the presents wrapped in bright paper, lying beneath the tree, adorned with tinsel-colored balls and lights. And suddenly there will be with you a multitude of relatives and friends, praising you and saying, thank you so much, that is just what I wanted. And it shall come to pass that as the friends and relatives have gone away into their homes and the parents shall say to one another, wow, what a mess to clean up. I'm tired. Let's go to bed and pick up tomorrow. Thank goodness Christmas only comes once a year. And they go with haste to their cold bed and find their desired rest. A lot of people are discarding all the trappings of Christmas. Even the message of Christmas itself finds itself with the stuff that we are throwing out, the debris, the hope that we spoke about, the joy that we spoke about, the peace, the love, all of these things that seem to fill our spirits during the Christmas time, even those can be pushed away. And what we feel is the aftermath of a tiring celebration that leaves us without energy, without focus, maybe even without direction. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you're glad the holidays are over. Some of you know what I'm talking about because it hasn't been a particularly pleasant time for you. And those who have enjoyed family and friends, you have enjoyed their coming, but you have equally enjoyed their leaving. So what do we do after Christmas? After this big celebration, after this kind of letdown, after this lull, we're kind of between these two peaks of our lives of celebration, that of Christmas and that of New Year, which is yet to be here. So what do we do after Christmas? Well, we have great instruction in God's Word, even with this matter. This morning, I want to show you a group of individuals who will teach us today what you and I are to do after Christmas. These individuals are nameless in the scriptures. We don't know anything about their families. We don't know anything about their heritage. We don't know anything about their past or their future. There are only two things that we know about these individuals. We know where they live and we know what their vocation is. They live in and around the vicinity of Bethlehem. Their vocation, they are shepherds. The second lowest rung in their society. Shepherds, uneducated, uncouth, untrained, disrespected. These shepherds were people who couldn't even go to the temple to worship. These shepherds were men who couldn't even give a testimony in a court of law because they were considered unreliable. But when we look at their lives and we look one more time at the Christmas narrative before we tuck it away, for next year, after, what, after all, let me just be the first to remind you that we are now only 361 days away from Christmas. So what do we do? As we listen to Luke's telling us about these shepherds, there's something in this passage that most of us overlook. And yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit inspiring Luke to write this, we find three incredible truths two directly from the lives of the shepherds and one that we can apply for this year. Here's what Luke says in the birth narrative, chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke, beginning in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, 
the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They told the parents what had happened. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, here it is. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Will you join me as we pray together? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the relevancy of your word. We thank you, Father, that even after 2,000 years, your instruction to us this morning is as relevant as when the shepherds heard it for the first time. And Father, as we look at your word this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts because you know where we are, we know where we are. And sometimes, Father, the aftermath of Christmas can be a time of drudgery and not joy. But Father, remind us today through your word what we can do as your children to walk in a way that not only demonstrates the transformation in our lives that took place at Christmas, but what can encourage the lives of others around us. And we pray in Jesus' name. It's interesting. It says they returned. They returned. And the question is, what did they return to? And as we look at the lives of these unnamed shepherds, there are specifically two things that they did after Christmas that I think is a challenge for you and me today. So as we're getting through the holidays, still in the lull between some of you haven't been back to work, some of you have been back to work, anticipating a day off only to go back again, it's all kind of jumbled up. But what do we do during this time? Let me give you just some practical instruction from God's word this morning about what we can do after Christmas. Number one, I am to return to my normal routine. I'm to return to my normal routine. I want you to notice what the, the scripture says about the shepherds. And the shepherds returned. They returned. They went back. What did they go back to? They went back to their lives. They went back to their vocation. They went back to their families. They went back to their relationships. They went back to the world that they live in. Now, it's really interesting. I want you to think of all the things that the shepherds saw. The, on Christmas night, there they are in the, on the Judean hillside, keeping watch over their flock. Everything's quiet. Then all of a sudden, they saw what no other human saw. They saw the glory of God fall down into that area and illuminate the entire countryside. They heard what no other human heard. They heard the birth announcement Coming to them, the most um, untrusting people in their community. Of all the people that God could have shared the good news that the Savior is born, they come to these shepherds. They hear this announcement. They see an army of hosts. By the way, anytime you see uh, angelic host in scriptures, the word host means an army. They didn't just see these delicate little angels flighting about like, like you see sometimes in cartoons. These were massive angels. These were creatures. These were members of the Lord's army. And they see the night sky illuminated with them. 
They hear them declaring glory to God in the highest. They hear the birth announcement. They leave there. They go to that cave. They find Mary and Joseph. They find Jesus, the Son of God, lying in a manger. The creator of the universe. They are at his feet. They are bowed before him. And they leave all of this. And they go back. They didn't go to a monastery to spend the rest of their lives in separation and isolation. They didn't go to some secret sanctuary where they can reflect on everything they saw and heard and pull themselves away from culture so they don't get tainted in any way. No, they went back to their homes. They went back to their wives, to their children, to their jobs, to their culture, to their society. They went back to the place where God had them planted for his glory. We see this through the pages of Scripture. Consider Moses. Moses on the Mount Sinai with God for 40 days and 40 nights. And God writes to Moses the Ten Commandments. He is in the presence of Almighty God for 40 days and 40 nights. He goes back to the people who at that point were breaking every one of the commandments. He went back to a group of stiff-necked people. Think of Peter, James, and John who were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Moses and Elijah appear there. And what does Peter do? He's so taken back by this, he asks a, a, a crazy, dumb question. Every time Peter doesn't know what to do, he says something dumb. He says, Jesus, should we prepare three tabernacles, three shelters, one for you and Moses and Elijah? You know what Jesus says? He says, no, we must go back to where the people are. Consider the Gadarean demoniac. Jesus casts demons out of him, sends them into the herd of swine. The swine go over the cliff. The Gadarean demoniac is set free. His mind is clear. He asked Jesus, can I go with you? And what did Jesus say? No, go back to your people to tell them what I have done. The woman at the well in Samaria has an encounter with Jesus, the Son of God. She firmly believes he is the Messiah. And what does she do? She runs back to her people, and she tells them about the Lord Jesus. Here's the thing we need to understand, that sometimes you and I have these spiritual highs. Sometimes you and I might have a mountaintop experience. Sometimes we want to experience some things in the presence of God, and we want to pull away, and we never want to leave those things. But God always calls us to go back to where we are. This week, you're going back. Some of you are going back to that job that you dread. Some of you are going back to your studies in college and maybe even just in high school or elementary school. Some of you are going back to your spouse. Some of you are going back to take care of your husband. Some of you are going back to raise your kids. Some of you are going back to a lonely house. Some of you are going back to the struggles of 2019. Some of you are going back to disappointment. The thing is this. God, in his providence, has put us where we are. And we are all to return to our normal routines. And let me say this. That many times we want to live on a mountaintop. But I want to tell you, life does not take place on the mountaintop. Life takes place in the valley. Where there are struggles and where there are difficulties 
and where things grow and things change. And in all this aftermath of Christmas, one of the things we must do is to go back to where God has us and to embrace that place because God in his providence has put us there for his glory. They returned. I am to return to the normal routines of life for the glory of God. Now, if it ended right there, it might sound empty. But I want to show you the second thing that they do and how they return. Secondly, I am to return with a renewed purpose. The shepherds returned with an incredibly renewed purpose, didn't they? Notice what Luke says about them. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. These shepherds went back to their homes. They went back to their jobs. They went back to their people, their relationships, their relatives, but they didn't go back the same way. They were totally transformed after having been in the presence of the Son of God. All of a sudden, they are forever different. Let me show you two ways they were different. First of all, they returned as witnesses. They returned as witnesses. The word glorifying God is a word in the Greek which means magnify. The word magnify in the Greek means to make big or to expose very largely. What are they going? They're going telling everybody everything they had seen and everything they had heard. They became witnesses. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you and your family on a camping trip and the glory of God shines around you? The angels and the host of heaven come and declare a message to you. They tell you to go see the Son of God. You find him in the outskirts of a little camping area. And then you see the glory of God. Do you think you're going to go and tell your friends, oh, nothing happened? Nah, it was just a regular camping trip. No. You're going to be a witness to the things that have happened to you. These shepherds are witnesses. And what are they doing? They're telling everybody what they had heard from the angels and what they had seen with their own eyes. They never went back the same. Listen, Christmas changed them forever. Now, here's the danger that we have. Every year of our lives, we experience this season, don't we? Every year of our lives, lives, we sing the same songs. We hear the same trappings. We do the same kind of decorations. We hear the same story, the same good news of great joy. And you know what we end up doing after Christmas? We are witnesses about things that really don't matter. We want to tell everybody the relatives that we met during our Christmas time. We want to talk to them about the strange relatives that we met this Christmas. And if you can't think of a strange relative, you probably are that strange relative. We talk about the presents that we don't like or the impractical things that we received. We talk about the time that we had off. We talk about our travels. And when we go back to work... Seldom do we talk about what we have heard and what we have seen from the Lord that has changed my life this Christmas. You see, this Christmas, something happened to you. God spoke to you. 
It may have been one of our services. It may have been something that you listened to. It may be something that you read. This Christmas, if you're a follower of Christ, something happened in you that God wants you to be a witness of. Something far beyond the gifts, something far beyond the, the, the presence, something far beyond just the normal trappings of what our culture talks about. You see, we are to go back completely renewed in our purpose. And we are to go back and tell people, let me tell you what Jesus taught me this Christmas. You won't believe how he's changed my life. I had a man tell me this this morning. He said, Pastor, last week's message just nailed me and transformed my thinking. Whatever it is that you've learned, go back as a witness for the Lord Jesus How can you and I not speak of the things that we know and what we've seen and the transformation that it's had in our hearts? We go back with a renewed purpose. I love the story of the two guys who were brick masons. They were out in the front of this busy sidewalk in New York City, and they were building a building. And a guy asked one brick mason, he says, what are you building? He looks at him, he says, what does it look like? I'm building a building, and he stacked the brick. He walked a little further, and he asked the other brick mason, he says, what are you building? He backed up, and he said, I'm building a masterpiece. The difference is how the world sees life and how the believer sees life in Jesus. You are that masterpiece that God is working on and is changing and is transforming. How can we be quiet? We're to go back as witnesses. But here's the second thing the shepherds did. They not only returned as witnesses, they returned as worshipers. They were praising God. Can you imagine that scene as they were leaving and they're telling everybody everything they heard and they saw with their own eyes? And now they're praising God. It's changed the trajectory of their spiritual life. And now they are worshipers of God. Why were they worshipers? Because the incredible gift that God had given to them. Let me talk to you a couple of things about the gift. First of all, it was personal. The angel said, for to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Can you imagine the angel telling these shepherds, listen, I got great news for you, sir. For you and for you. Jesus came as a gift. And you will find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This Christmas is personal. Because the Father is saying to each person here, it was for you. It's for you. You might not think you're worthy, and you're not. Because no one is. But it was for you that Jesus came. Do you hear the personal gift that the Father has given to every single one of us. It's for you. But not only is it personal, it's practical. For you is given a Savior. A practical. God gave the most practical gift to humanity. A Savior. You want to know why? Our greatest need is forgiveness. Our greatest need as human beings is forgiveness. And that forgiveness can only be found in a Savior. And God gave us the most practical gift. I know this Christmas some of you received some very impractical gifts, haven't you? Some things that you opened up and you smiled and you lied to the person who gave it to you. Hey, I was hoping for this. And you don't even know what it is. They don't even know what it is. 
I received one of those one time. Somebody gave me a gift, and I opened it up, and I'm just trying to figure out, I have no idea what it is. I asked him, I said, what is it? And she said, I don't know. I just look really cool. <laughs> it was actually one of those things that snuffs out candles. <laughs> Men don't carry candles. All right? Oh, we shouldn't anyway, right? And so it's, we get some impractical gifts, but when the Father gives us the Son, it's the most, impra- it's most practical gift you and I can ever receive because it's our greatest need. And it's only in Him that we have forgiveness. It is a personal gift. It's a practical gift. It is a priceless gift. He's Christ the Lord. He's the Son of God. There is nothing more valuable in all of eternity than the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Nothing. Because there's nothing that washes away the sins of humanity. It is priceless. Lastly, it is permanent. It's permanent. can be taken away. This gift won't break. This gift won't have defects. This gift has no returns. It's yours. And it's permanently yours. So if at this Christmas... I hear what God is doing in my life, and I see it. I can be a witness. This Christmas, I can be a worshiper that carries me through a new decade because of the incredible gift that he has given to you and he has given to me. See, I'm to return, but I am to return with a renewed purpose. Wouldn't it be cool this year? As you begin the new year at reflecting on what Jesus has done for you from eternity past, in his life, on the cross, through the resurrection, and for you today. That's how we return. As worshipers. As witnesses to the Lord Jesus. Now here's the third one. Okay, It's not found in this passage. But with this time of the year, it is appropriate. And here's what it is. I am to return with a resolve to live for God. I return with a resolve to live for God. We know nothing of the shepherds in what their life was like after Christmas. We know how they left. We know where they went to. But we know nothing else of their life. But we know the whole story, don't we? We hear from eternity past that the Word was with God and He was God and He was with God in the beginning. We see through the pages of Old Testament the prophecy of the Word becoming flesh. We find in the Gospels that the Word becomes incarnate and He has a name. It is Jesus. We see through the pages of the Gospels how he lived his life in perfection, in compassion, in humility. We see how he went to the cross for each one of us. We see how he died. We see how he was buried. We see how he rose again. We see the reality that he is alive today, right now. And we see that he continues to be the hope of our lives. With all of that, and everything that Christ has done for you and what he's done for me, this is a great time of the year to reflect 
on who God wants us to be. Every year, every year, I ask God to show me one word for the year. Last year was intentional. This year, as I've prayed through this, the word that I feel God calling me to this year is consistency. To be consistent. To be steady. To be steadfast. To stay on the truth of God's word regardless of what is happening around me. And because of all what Christ has done for me, in me, and through me, I am resolved. I'm resolved. To reflect my own heart, my own mind, my own soul, and to be consistent in walking in the fruit of the Spirit. To be consistent in living in the Word of God. To be consistent in keeping in step with the Spirit of God in all that I do. To be resolved. And I know that every year it's a difficult thing because New Year's resolutions usually go in one year and out the other, right? And by March, most of us have failed. But we can live a life that is resolved to be witnesses for him. A life that is resolved to be worshipers of him. And that we walk obediently with him. I'm not going to get much into the resolutions. Because next week, Jeff Poteet is going to be preaching on that. And I'm not going to steal his thunder. Because I have no idea what he's saying. But here's the thing. We see the big picture. The shepherds could see no further than their lives. But we see everything in God's plan for the redemption of humanity. And what we are to do in this new year is begin with a reflection on what he did for you and for me. And the power that we have to live in him this year. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper at this point. You have been given these little communion packs when you came in. And I'm going to give you instruction on how to use them. Because if you're not careful, you'll pull the wrong seal off first. And in the rest of the service, you will be trying to pull through that. And God is going to use that for your sanctification, even in church. <laughs> Let me just give some instructions. If you're not a believer here today, this is not for you. Don't take that offensively. It's not. It's a family celebration. This is for those people who have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we are reflecting and celebrating what he did for us on the cross in redeeming us. Parents, if you have small kids who have not professed Christ as Lord and Savior, don't let them participate in this. This is not for them either. It can become a ritual that can mislead them in their days ahead even. But what we want to do, this is for those who belong to Christ. If you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then we invite you to join with us in this celebration. Pull that top layer off ever so gently and open it. I love that sound. It sounds like we're all opening a can of beer at the same time. Some of you never thought of that. 
That's my, that's my old I never I'm just, The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Let's give thanks right now for the body of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. That the Lord Jesus submitted himself to your plan and your purpose and took on humanity. That he walked in this flesh on this broken earth and he felt what we feel. We thank you, Father, that he was willing to go through ridicule and physical suffering, a cat of nine tails, 39 lashes, hypovolemic shock sets in his body. He goes to the cross, which is the most excruciating, painful death known to man. His body is broken for us. We thank you for his sacrifice and his gift. In Jesus' name. Jesus says, this is my body. Take, eat in remembrance of me. Now pull back that second layer. Careful. That sounds like putting Legos together. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, as John says, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. We thank you, Father, that you use the Greek language, which reminds us that it is a present active tense. It keeps on cleansing us. And only the blood of Jesus has the power to wash away sins. We thank you, Father, for his willful choice to pour out his blood for us. And we thank you for the redeeming power that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says, drink this in remembrance of me. Would you stand together, please? Would you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you for 2019. In our lives, there certainly were great highs. And in our lives, there were great lows. There were relationships that began, and there were relationships that have been in struggles. And there were relationships that have ended. There has been new life. There has been confusing life. And there has been death. There have been certainties that we've been able to rest on. And there have been uncertainties that have troubled us. 
Yet, Father, in the midst of all of the things that we have felt, you are sovereign. You oversee all the universe. There is nothing that does not escape your attention. And you know every detail of our hearts, our lives, every thought, every emotion. There's nothing we cannot hide from you. And Father, you have walked with us through these. And your promises have been true, even though we have not realized some of them. You have given us life. And through the Lord Jesus, we can have abundant life. And Father, as we embark into a new year, but also a new decade, may you use this day as a reminder of all that you have done and the absolute certainty that he who began a good work in us will complete it at the day of Christ Jesus. Father, we submit to you our past. We submit to you 2020. And we cling to the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. And we declare all honor and glory is His. Father, in 2020, there are things that will happen that we cannot even fathom right now. But Father, in 2020, it is nothing but a footnote in eternity because you have seen it from eternity past. And our rest and our trust is completely in you. So we close this service out today by declaring how holy, how powerful, how great, and how awesome you are as we behold the Lamb. And we pray in His name. Amen.